Welcome to The Policy Shop, weekly conversations with public policy experts where we'll dive into the most important issues affecting all of us here in Illinois. I'm Hillary Gowans. Let's get started. Welcome back to The Policy Shop. If nothing changes, property taxes will go up by an estimated $2,100 over the next four years for the typical Illinois homeowner. If Amendment 1 passes on November 8th, The scenario in which nothing changes gets even likelier. Here to discuss what's going on with property tax increases and how Amendment 1 factors in is Bryce Hill, Director of Fiscal and Economic Research. Bryce, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So you have been focused on the relationship between the cost of government and our property taxes for years now. Um, And you actually just put out this fascinating calculator where you can go to our website, IllinoisPolicy.org, and type in uh, and figure out how much your property taxes would go up if Amendment 1 passes. Your calculations were pretty interesting in the broad view. So you found, for example, that if Amendment 1 passes, it could cost typical families nearly $3,000 more in property taxes in Cook County, $2,100 more in property taxes in DePage, and so on and so on. Uh, It was really fascinating to see how you broke that out for the typical homeowner by county. But I want to know how you did that. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, that scenario, because that's just the status quo scenario of what Illinoisans have been living with over the past decade, really. So, fortunately, the Census Bureau publishes really good data on property tax burdens, um, you know, across all the counties in Illinois and across states and things like that. And so, basically, if if property tax rates keep climbing at their status quo rate, um, and given where home values are today, if that trend continues, the typical household in Illinois is going to pay around $2,100 in additional property taxes compared to their current bills. So that breaks out to, you know, a 200 and something dollar increase year over year for like the next four years. And and at the end of that, you sum all those differences up, you're paying, you know, now $2,000 in additional property taxes that you've paid versus your current bills. And that's a pretty likely scenario because, as I said, it's just the status quo. That's what has been happening in Illinois uh, since 2010, uh, and we can expect that to continue, especially if Amendment 1 passes, because um, you know the pro-taxpayer reforms, the things that taxpayers need to get some relief from this crushing property tax burden are going to be thwarted. Uh, they're going to be deemed unconstitutional in many cases uh, because of the wording of the language. Um, and then on top of that, Amendment 1 would open up and create you know this Pandora's box of uh, new subjects of collective bargaining, which each new subject of collective bargaining, whatever it is, uh, raise the cost to taxpayers ultimately because the cost of government gets more expensive when you have to meet new demands. Um, Amendment one would grant permanent right to strike, which would uh, basically force politicians and lawmakers uh, into caving to those demands because uh, Illinois is one of the few states that lets. Uh, all their public sector workers uh, strike for virtually any reason uh, if demands are not met. Uh, so it puts politicians between a rock and a hard place of, t- of what to do, the easiest of which is going to just say, okay, 
we will we'll meet those demands and then taxpayers are going to be the ones to foot the bill. So I, I know we, we hear feedback from people who want to understand this property tax problem because a lot of us feel it personally. I own a home in Cook County um, and it's just a soul crushing feeling to open up um, that bill every time. And it goes up every year, just like you're saying. But sometimes there's this disconnect for people. They see the bill and it's frustrating in the moment, but they might not understand what's causing the bill to go up. And you've explored that dynamic a lot. So if you were going to summarize how that works for the average Illinoisan, what would you say? How would you explain it? Uh, it, it works because you have these costs to, to running and funding your local government, whether they be your, your park district, your school districts, your municipal districts. Um, and those are increasing every year as, you know, salaries increase their in compensation packages in Illinois are among the highest in the nation when it comes to state and local workers. Uh, when you um, add new provisions, whether it be, um, you know, in some areas of the country, we've seen schools, uh, school districts try to bargain for things like affordable housing, uh, which would be a new cost for governments if if they meet some sort of demand when it comes to affordable housing. Um, so these different demands that are made of, of governments when we come to the bargaining table and you get a new contract with, with your state and your local workers, those all have monetary consequences. Like the 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 cost of them has to come from somewhere. For local governments, um, the largest funding source of you know their own revenue is property taxes. So that directly affects your property tax burden as the costs of your local governments go up. Um, and then at the state level, we've seen this massive crowd out of uh, funding going from previous that previously went towards services that now go, goes towards pensions um, and retiree benefits. Uh, so as those things take up a larger share of state resources, there's less money that is sent from the state back to school districts, back to local governments um, that are you know used to offset how much you know the property taxes have to be raised to to make up for these new costs. So as we see that crowd out happening, local governments are going to be increasingly reliant on property taxes and their own source revenue. And at the same time, they're facing their own cost increases, like we mentioned, uh, that are going to drive up property taxes as well. So that's what happens if Amendment 1 passes, right? The cost of government's going to go up because there will be this ability to demand more and more on the part of government unions. Um, and to meet those demands, those costly demands, that's going to mean local governments turning to increased property tax revenue. But if Amendment 1 doesn't pass, how does property tax reform become easier? So it becomes a lot more possible for, for several reasons. I think the most notable of which is this is a direct message from voters who ultimately elect public officials and who uh, lawmakers are accountable to. So by rejecting you know, these higher property taxes, higher costs of government, uh, that's a signal uh, that politicians have to be aware of in the future for their reelection prospects. Uh, so it kind of changes the power dynamic there. At the same time, um, you know, in the same vein, 
we've seen many pro-taxpayer reforms get bipartisan support uh, in the General Assembly that have been simply struck down by uh, by unions simply because they are opposed to them. So, for example, um, there was a proposal to begin consolidating Illinois' 6,000 overlapping units of local government uh, that was opposed by uh, local government unions, essentially, uh, and it had bipartisan support. Uh, it didn't end up seeing any movement in the General Assembly because of that opposition, though, from the unions. Similarly, we saw um, school district efficiency, the consolidation of school districts, not schools themselves. Illinois spends among the most of any state when it comes to the bureaucratic level of education spending. So that's your superintendents, your district offices, things like that. We could benefit from economies of scale by reducing the number of districts without changing the number of schools that we have and send more money to classrooms. That passed unanimously out of the House a couple of years ago. Uh, when it went to the Senate, it was immediately killed because um, teachers unions, superintendents unions, things like that came out against it. Uh, so with reduced uh, influence essentially in, in Springfield and in local governments, uh, on the heels of a no vote on Amendment 1, uh, we could sit, begin to see the tide turning there uh, and have property tax relief actually you know, become viable because there's appetite in Springfield for it and there's appetite at the local government level because people are feeling these pains, but ultimately they get thwarted uh, because public uh, sector unions, uh, special interest groups uh, come out against them and they threaten lawmakers with, you know, we won't support your re-election re campaign, we're not going to support you um, you know, in your and the fight to keep your job. So um, those dynamics are going to begin to change if if we see a no vote on Amendment One and pro taxpayer reforms become much more likely. I want to switch gears because I think that everything that you've shared about the dynamic between property taxes and how Amendment One would cause them to go up has been really helpful. And I'm just curious because I know you're thinking about housing big picture. What else is on your radar as you look into housing research in Illinois? The biggest things that we're looking at right now are going to be um, foreclosure rates. So Illinois led the nation in foreclosures in the beginning of 2021, the first two quarters of, sorry, the first two quarters of 2022. Um, so more Illinoisans are defaulting and going into foreclosure than anywhere else. Uh, so we're watching that. We're also watching home sales and home price appreciation as uh, mortgage rates continue to increase, they're now at virtually 6.3% for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, uh, basically have doubled over the past couple of years. As that happens, we're going to be looking at home price appreciation, which has traditionally uh, been laggard in Illinois, and it can be expected to slow down. Fewer people are going to be able to afford homes. That's going to put some downward pressure on prices. Uh, the equity that people have built, out, built up over the past couple of years uh, is likely to, to go down. And then, um, you know, on top of all of that, even if, you know, those trends continue, we're going to continue to look at um, just the housing market in general and appreciation and sales, because uh, even with this massive run up that we've seen in the past couple of years, uh, we haven't seen those returns be quite as large in Illinois. One of the reasons is because people are moving, because people don't find the return on the investment that they get for their housing in Illinois to be worth what they're paying in property taxes, what, what they're going to get for the future value of their home when it comes time for them to sell, the quality of services that they get from their state and local government. We're going to be looking at all those things to see how uh, those are evolving in, in this new housing market that we're into. And as we move into 
a new higher rate environment. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at all those things and kind of the interaction that uh, property taxes and the quality of local services also plays into that. Well, that's going to be really interesting, um, Bryce. And, and all of these things obviously are connected. So I'm really grateful to you for explaining more of the context in the background. Thanks so much for your expertise on this issue. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To keep up with all of our work at the Illinois Policy Institute and to sign up for our newsletter, visit illinoispolicy.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and give us a five-star review. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Policy Shop.